Presented by Kamiuk Ukulele Magazine, this is Ukulele Stories. This episode is brought to you by the Andrew Molina Ukulele Academy and Zenith Music. Hey, do you want to evolve as a ukulele player? Andrew Molina is here to show you how. Having developed his musical abilities over 16 years, the Hawaiian virtuoso is on a mission to reinvent the way the instrument is taught. At the Andrew Molina Ukulele Academy, you'll learn how to work smarter, not harder, so you can improvise better, elevate your fretboard confidence, train your ear, and get the most out of your playing, regardless of your current skill level. There are three membership tiers, Basic, Elite, and Prestige, and the monthly online subscription comes with a 10-day money-back guarantee for total peace of mind. Head to andrewmolinaukulele.com today and meet your new ukulele life coach. World-renowned for their nylon string guitars, Cordoba enlisted the help of master luthier Pepe Romero Jr. to create beautiful, affordable ukuleles. Expertly crafted from premium materials for comfortable playability and rich tone, they're available in a wide variety of woods and sizes so you can find your perfect match. Cordoba's all-time best-selling uke, the 15CM, now features a sleek satin finish and comes in four dazzling custom colors, rose red, jade green, sapphire blue, and granite gray. Zenith Music is the exclusive distributor of Cordoba in Australia, with dealers in every state. Contact your nearest Cordoba dealer today, or check out zenithmusic.com.au, or call 08-9383-1422 for more information. And if you're in Perth, visit the Claremont store to experience the full Cordoba range. Aloha, Cameron here with another episode of Ukulele Stories. When I first heard the song Happy Uke, I immediately wanted to interview the artist behind it. A few emails later, I was talking to Tom Freund as he drove across California to play some gigs in San Francisco. A fairly recent convert to the ukulele, Tom's had a varied and interesting career that's seen him collaborate with his friends Ben Harper and Jackson Brown and provide music for popular TV shows such as One Tree Hill, Dawson's Creek, and Pete the Cat. Happy Uke's a lovely flowing track that highlights the instrument's versatility, as well as Tom's skillful laid-back songwriting style. We had lots of fun chatting about it, and we even discovered we had a mutual friend in a certain ukulele legend. Enjoy. Hey, Tom, how's it going? Hey, how are you, sir? This is, this is good to see you. I'm driving up to the San Francisco Bay Area to play some shows. Awesome. And uh, I'm glad, glad you caught me all the way from Sydney. My pleasure. So how many gigs have you got up there? Well, it's a strange thing. <laughs> it's <laughs> called the Driveway, the Driveway Series. So uh, the idea is we pull up in a in a promoter's van with a PA, me and my drummer friend Wally Ingram, wonderful percussion player, and we uh, we're gonna play five shows in two days. Wow! Because uh, you you pull into someone's uh, driveway and you play for whoever they invited to their private enclave. You know, this was a it was a pandemic idea. Even though stuff's kind of opening up now, the concept was to make it a safe outdoor distance kind of thing and people love the idea now of course stuff's starting to open up so it's a little it's a little con- confusing for people but it's okay i think it sounds cool I- i'd love that isn't it cool you show up in yeah. someone's backyard or driveway and you-, you pile out and 15 minutes later you're later you're playing an hour an hour for them and then you're on to the next gig a, a half an hour away or whatever you know I feel like a lot of this stuff, maybe not the driveway stuff, but who knows, but uh, a lot of this stuff will will hang around after the pandemic, especially like Zoom shows and that kind of thing. It, it seems to be changing the music industry a little bit. 
I think you're right, partner. There's going to be some there's going to be some interesting stuff like that uh, that are that we've hopefully learned some good things about how to operate. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know, especially yeah. gig venues, you know, in Sydney that I know they they've gone online and they they're going to keep it around. It's really good. Yeah, I think it's cool because some people, if you think about it, some people aren't well or something and are kind of stuck in their in their uh, homes for any reason. That's kind of cool if if we have a good system to play stuff over the internet for them, you know. Yeah, and and just people yeah. around the world, you know, like you can check out gigs in Sydney and I can check out gigs in California. That that's true too, right? We're not just hopping on a flight. <laughs> yeah, right. Well. Obviously, uh, the main reason I want to talk to you is about uh, your great new single, Happy Uke. We'll get to that a bit later, but firstly, I, I would just like to go sort of right back in time to when you first started getting interested in music. And I guess you were a kid, like what actually got you into music? And then at what point did you feel yeah. like you wanted to make this your career? Sure. Well, I got, I started playing piano first when I was really little, then guitar when I was like 11, and then upright bass shortly after. And uh, I just, I started getting so into it. It didn't even matter what instrument. I started playing in like jazz band at school, but also listening to plenty of your guys, ACDC and, nice. uh, and, Zepp and Zeppelin, and, and, uh, but also studying jazz and like folk music. So it was a pretty interesting growing up in New York City. And right out of high school, I got into some off-Broadway kind of avant-garde theater stuff in New York, which was great. That sort of blew my mind. I was like acting, but also playing upright bass and, and guitar and singing and stuff. Early on, I read that you met Ben Harper at uh, college, was it? Yeah, I was going to school in Claremont, uh, finishing up college, and Ben Harper was in town uh, at his grandparents' folk music center working and, and uh, really fixing guitars and stuff like that. And uh, also playing a bit about town and I was playing all over the colleges and we had a mutual friend who said, wait, man, you guys got to meet. And probably Ben, Ben and I joke about it because we both were like, yeah, whatever. Great. Uh, and it was, it was before cell phones. So we both had, we both had a manual out if we needed it. He had his girlfriend call the store. We met at the folk music store center. He had the girlfriend call the store at a certain time in case, Okay, I gotta go. Sorry, she, and I had someone knock on the door. I had someone knock on the front door of it, saying, "Tom, we gotta go." And uh, we we blew those off. We ended. We hit it off. We ended up jamming till about four in the morning. <laughs> so, uh, and then we made a, a little vinyl called Pleasure and Pain. It was both our our first music that each of us put out uh, officially on Cardis Records. We did a, a vinyl album called Pleasure and Pain, 1990, 1992 and 1993. It came out. Yeah, fantastic. And um, you've also yeah. done quite a bit of music on TV shows, I found out. How did all that come about? You hope you can do as much as you can on the TV shows. <laughs> Some songs just get placed. Early on, I had a, a lot of songs in that show, One Tree Hill, and a show called Las Vegas, and Dawson's Creek, and stuff like that. Mm. And then I started doing stuff as much as I could with that, you know, because that can kind of keep you alive. Sure. And uh, I did a little stuff for a couple of movies. I was even in one with uh, Mr. Graham Parker from the UK, one of my heroes. Hmm. He invited me to he invited me to play in the movie This Is Forty with him. That was really fun. That was wonderful. I think mostly that happened because Judd Apatow is such a big Graham Parker fan. He just wanted to hear, and he wanted to hear us jam for an, 
two hours in the middle of a, a shooting, <laughs> in the middle of an unbelievably expensive day of shooting. I think he just wanted a concert from Graham and I. So he loves Graham's songs. They ended up using a nice clip, though, of a song called Local Girls, and I'm singing, singing playing slide guitar and singing with Graham. And, and then I made a kid's record to bring it into kind of the ukulele territory. I, first time I really worked into the uke thing was uh, I made a kid's record called Hug Trees. That was uh, 2005, I think, 2006, maybe. My daughter was like three years old at that time, and I just couldn't stop writing songs for her and for hanging around. So it just became an album. I was like, oh, I guess we're doing this. That album got around to a lot of people and some cool stuff. It, it, I think it helped do the next TV thing I did, which is a TV show called Pete the Cat, a really cool uh, animated TV show that you can find on Amazon Prime. And I used a lot of uke on that too. And we were writing a lot of the themes with the founder of the whole show named Swampy Marsh. He also created Phineas and Ferb, mm. a big show. Uh, we we wrote a lot of the stuff together and a, and a few other people. And then all of a sudden, Elvis Costello's singing the theme song and Diana Krall's one of the characters and David uh, Dave Matthews is singing a song I wrote. And, it became crazy, and me and Katie Tunstall wrote a lot of songs together too. Cool. So that was a cool that was a cool TV thing because it was a kids show. You can kind of let loose on a kids show in a way. Mm. Really, it's pretty interesting. It's a nice. It's refreshing. Yeah, and so the Uke stuff then was that just a product of it would sound good on the kids album, or did you have kind of an interest in Uke before that? Like, had you been I, to Hawaii no, and, and got into it, or yes, uh, exactly. I had gone to Hawaii and I came back with a really cool uh, pineapple uke and um, started getting into it and started like, first of all, started writing on it right away. And that's where the, mostly the kids songs came, but some other songs. And then, then I realized, oh my God, you can play anything on here. You can, you know, I started doing Beatles songs on the uke. And there's a song on the album, Collapsible Plans of Mine, where I'm playing uh that pineapple uke on a song called Queen of the Desert. It's the song that Ben Harper produced, actually. It's on Collapsible Plans, the record. Hmm. And then we also did, a, with also with Ben, we did a version of Let My Love Open the Door, which is a fun Pete Townsend song from The Who. I just, I love the uke. I mean, I, I'll go from, at a gig, I'll go from the guitar to the upright bass to the uke, and I think it just keeps things really interesting. Or well, as you say, I mean... I think people get it now. For a long time, they didn't, but they, they, people are getting it now that you can play. You can play anything on a uke. I put it through a Wawa, yeah. Oh yeah, well that's <laughs> it. I mean, you can play any any kind of music as well. Um, I don't know if you've seen. There's a, a great uh, documentary called Rock no, That Uke um, about punk uke in New York. So that might be one to check no out. No way. Yeah, it's amazing. Oh, I gotta, I gotta look. I'm gonna look that up tonight. Absolutely, do it. Well, you actually, I, I think I saw on your website you were playing a Koaloha ukulele. Is that your favorite one? or? Oh, it's so nice. That ukulele is pure magic. I swear to God, it's got its own built-in reverb, and and I just, I, that's what I did Happy Uke on. Right, so you um, recorded the whole thing with that. With that, I just started that in my house, in my where I live, with my home set up, and just recorded me singing and playing that first, added everything after. Right. Um, and boy, that thing—that thing's got its own built-in vibe. Mm. But um, I tra—I travel mostly with this Collings, you know, Collings who makes guitars. They make a really mean uke, 
They do. And uh, I've been traveling with that because it's a real workhorse and it just sounds great. And it's got they put a nice pickup in it for me and kind of it was it was almost an endorsement kind of it was like uh, like I just had to pay just a little bit. <laughs> it was a, they hooked me up. It was very nice. Excellent. Yeah. Nice. Beautiful instrument. Well, I, I mean, I love Happy You. Tell me about the genesis of that. Sure. I felt like uh, it just started, it's something that was going around my head for a couple of years, actually, the concept, there ain't no worries on my mind, ain't no one treating me unkind, kind of a happy song. Mm. And then during the pandemic, I was like, I guess it's really time to record this. This is like, we need something like, I know I need to like sing about how I'm doing well, how I'm riding through this and how we got, I'm not worried about how time's passing. I'm okay. I'm taking my time in the world. And, Mm. So I just uh, got into it like that lyrically, and I felt like also a lot of my songs are kind of notes to self, like getting a little zen with myself, like like that line about the giving tree, like, you know, give selflessly. And I was, felt like a time more than ever that we need to give without needing something mm. in return. You'll get more than you ever imagined with if you don't don't push for something. <laughs> like, it's a, mm. you get, it's a pushy time kind of. Before the pandemic hit, I, I was hoping what we could learn maybe a little from this time was to not be so pushy. <laughs> yeah, that was that was one of the things. And uh, then I recorded it at my at my place. I have a home recording like little get up uh, that I've been doing. Like I did a lot of beat the cat stuff and other things that. And then I played a I played a synthesizer on it. I played upright bass. And the only thing I uh, had called in was my friend Adam Topol, a wonderful drummer who oh, plays yeah. with uh, he's, he's Jack Johnson's drummer. Um, oh, yeah. He's an incredible, incredible cat. He, I was like, hey man, can you send me a drum track for this? Also from his home because we were we were pretty in uh, remote, uh, little little bit of a lockdown. What do they mm. call that? Quarantine. I'm I'm already forgetting the words. Quarantine. <laughs> And he sent me the gorgeous drum track, and we, I just plopped that in at my favorite little studio locally called Four Street Recording, and we, um, the rest is uh, history there. We just yeah. cranked it out. Awesome. Well, I, I say, I love it, and uh, yeah, we'll... Man, thanks, we'll, dude. That's really cool. Do our cool. best to get it out there um, in the Ute community. I really appreciate that. I, I, I know it's like... You mentioned rock that you because I I've been hashtagging uke rock because obviously I'm playing some I forgot to tell you I'm also playing electric my Les Paul guitar on that track too so there's it's it's a little it's, it's maybe unusual for hardcore uke people because there's there's some rock guitar going on in there as well oh, but no. that was kind of my that's my mission I think it's all I think it's all that's what's cool about the uke I think it can get in there no matter what exactly that there are kind of purists who only want uke all the time, but the thing is the uke is more versatile than that and it can be used in any way. Definitely. I'm down I'm I like I like the versatility of it. Mm. Uh speaking of versatility, you you're kind of quite well known for being quite a versatile songwriter. Uh do you have a particular songwriting process? <laughs> Not really. <laughs> <laughs> I like to tell I like to tell people I take it however it comes. If that means mm. like I'm driving down the highway and I'm taking notes on my phone, or if I'm uh, walking around at home in my boxers and, uh, and 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 jotting things down or picking up the guitar. And a lot of times the music comes first, but a lot of times I'll take a journal entry or something and just say, okay, this is kind of cool. Mm. Let me kind of shape this into a song. So I, 
I guess I really take it however it comes. I, I wish I had more of a method. Generally, I do think I come up with some kind of riff or something I like on an instrument like the ukulele or guitar or piano or bass even, upright bass. And then I kind of like start thinking what the, the beginning of it would start with what, what would just come to my mind if I just really let things go and what, what would come out really naturally. I start like that and then just put everything down or record, record 20 minutes of me going crazy on something. And then I try to kind of lasso it in, you know, and pick the best parts. Yeah, it's quite fascinating. I, I always ask all my guests that question and you get varied answers. That's definitely the way I do it as well. Sort of haphazardly, really. Yeah, well, I have to hear your stuff, man. I know you play, too, because I went to your site or your Instagram and stuff and saw you jam, and it sounded great. Oh, so I gotta, I gotta, I have to hear what you're doing. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll send you some send stuff. Me a link, send me a link of that as well. Sure. So That's you live story. in L.A. now, but you're actually from New York. Do you like yeah. a particular place better than the other, or why, why L.A.? I really mm. like the change of, of vibes. Uh, I still love New York. I kind of, <laughs> no offense, I kind of think New York's smarter. And uh, maybe it's because I'm from there. And then, but I feel like L.A. also had some kind of looseness that was really good for music. And there are a lot of creative, great minds on the West Coast doing some so sounds and, and lyrics that I love, you know. So I, and I got to meet, got to meet a lot of people that I really like, too, as a result. But I think uh, it's funny, there's many different parts of California, and I, that's even what my last full-length album, East of Lincoln, is about, was having to sort of move out of Venice because what a, once a bohemian, cool, artistic beach town kind of came became overrun with companies, and all of a sudden it was like hard to live there, and I had to move east and, mm. um, away from the ocean. It's that, that's, it was a bit of theme for me for, for like an whole album. It's weird, the pandemic has brought everything up, like... My daughter's going off to college back east, and I'm like, well, maybe I'll go back east. Kind of trying to figure out, you know, where the next move is, or if it's somewhere else in California, or or back east for a little bit to re revisit where I grew up. You know. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. I mean, well, everyone gets to a point where they're kind of looking back, and uh, maybe you do want to go back to where you came from and and reassess it, things. It is. That's. I mean, that's what us songwriters do too. We have to like part of that reassessment and taking stock, and then you'll. They'll write some more songs about it. <laughs> yeah. You mentioned Collapsible yeah. Plans earlier. Um, and Jackson Brown played on that. Hey, man, yeah. he. Um, it was wonderful. He played on uh, a song called Why Wyoming. And he played on the, the Copper Moon, a song called Copper Moon. And uh, boy, is he something. He was like, uh, he was, the, you know, he's just the nicest cat. And then he, he man, I, he used to show up at my gigs in Venice and like, you would uh, love to work with love to work with yeah i mean there's 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 a lot of people out there i've been working a little with on uh, the pizza cat show is don was who's a great you know the producer and bass mm. player and, all that. and uh he i'm hoping right, we can do some music together outside of this pizza cat because uh, he's one of my heroes too 
So where to from here, uh, especially ukulele-wise? Are you uh, thinking of uh, incorporating it a bit more in your music, or do you just see it as one of the uh, one of the instruments? I think it's a big it's a big part of my live show for sure. I I always do like two songs on it a night at least, mm. um, maybe more sometimes depending on how long I'm playing. I feel like I'd like to expand on it. You know, I I had the um, I met one of the legends of ukulele. I forgot to tell you this earlier, but I was introduced to a guy named Bill Tapia. Oh, I know Bill. He lived to 100 years old, and he he played at my wedding, man. He played at my wedding. You're kidding. um, In Hawaii. Wow. Um, And we were, I mean, the guy plays like insane, beautiful jazz. I just, he blew my mind because he played anything. I, I did a few gigs with him where I played upright bass and he was playing like jazz songs on the ukulele. I, could, I couldn't believe it. He was playing standards and like quick, like Charlie Parker songs on the ukulele. I was blowing my mind. And oh. uh, I'm, I'm upset that we never got a recording together. I mean, there, I think there's some video of us playing live, but I, I would have loved to record like two ukuleles with him or something. Yeah. But I... we did we did have a, a few great yeah, we had a few great jams, so it's very memorable. But wow, what a guy. Hero, what a guy. A hero. I actually got the yeah. last ever interview with Bill. I oh, in- my Lord. Are you serious? I did for my magazine. I have a. I used to do a print magazine called Camuke. It's now online, but it used to be a print one. So for issue three, I actually uh, contacted him through um, a friend of his and got a line into his nursing home when he is 103. And um, he he actually told me on the phone that this would be his last interview, and it turned out sadly to be that. Did you ever talk to Alyssa Alyssa Archambault? That's actually who put me in uh, contact with him. Kind of like his right hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, She's I'm the one who introduced introduced me to him as well. Wow, amazing. Ah, she introduced me to Bill as well. That, that that's a small world, man. There's the connection. <laughs> There's our connection. Yeah. yeah. Right. <laughs> The article is actually on my website, so I'll send you the link for that. Please do. I'll look at it tonight, man, before I go to sleep. That sounds amazing. No problem. That is incredible. Um, do, you, do you have any other ukulele heroes that you've uh, wanted to meet? or? You know, I, I'm, I'm, I'm a little embarrassed. I don't know tons of people. I, I'm going to have to like take a, 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 gonna have to take like a history lesson from you or something. <laughs> um, I'm, a little, I'm a little embarrassed that I don't know more about it. And like, I, I know that I'm completely drawn to it it's like my favorite thing on earth and i can i can take it with me wherever i go but mm. i i i need it's almost like i need to go back to hawaii and go to the ukulele museum or something <laughs> and uh and, and dig in you know and maybe maybe i'll maybe if i go to your site that'll help some of that i love the vibe i love the hawaiian feel and um i mean i love i love everything about it so i just i do have to dig in more i did go through a big uh, is phase Went through a big phase while he was still with us. Uh, mm. Trippy, trippy song. Yeah. Amazing. I mean, the Bill Tapia thing, I feel like he translated to me a bunch of the history just by knowing him. I took in a lot about the ukulele and what, what could be done with it. Mm. You know, I could have certainly hit him up more about the history of it. So now I feel like it would be my duty to go check out some more stuff and um, the parameters of the ukulele. But that was that was a big part of my interest for sure getting mm. hit, getting hit with Bill Sophia. and the weirdest thing is right before I met him I mean two months before I met him 
I was at a thrift store in Hawaii and found this incredibly old, cool book, and it was by Bill Tapia. Hmm. And then I get introduced to him, and then he's playing it, playing at my wedding four months after that. I mean, just the whole thing was bonkers. Well, I, I kind of feel like that's a lot of people's stories with the ukulele. You know, not a lot of people go out to find the ukulele. It kind of finds them. Wow, man, that's deep. I like that. <laughs> well, that's probably a good place to end it then. <laughs> the power of the uke. Yep, what a power it is. I'm going to I'm gonna finish off with a, a new thing I'm, I'm going to start doing with my guests, and that's just asking you about five favorite things. I'll give you five things, and you tell me your favorite. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Favorite city? Uh, Austin, Texas. Uh, animal. I'm going to go with I'm going to go with the first thing that comes to my mind in each of these, right? Absolutely. Do that. Okay, okay. Go ahead. All right, number 2, animal. Dog. Number 3, food. Lobster. Number 4, movie. <laughs> uh, if I could I I know which one I'm thinking of, but I can't think of the damn title. Hold on. Um Pandemic Brain much? One flew over the cuckoo's nest. Good one. Okay, and the last one, book. Um, first book that's coming to mind, uh, The Day of the Locust, Nathaniel West. Nice. Well, I think that'll <laughs> do us. <laughs> that's awesome, man. I like that one. <laughs> well, thank you very much for talking to me, and uh, good luck with the, the driveway gigs. Hey, Cameron, thanks, man. It's, it's great to meet you in the flesh. I'm going to look up your music and uh, and your website now. I'll bug you. Yeah, uh, bug me away, please. You know, um, All right. We could uh, meet in person one day, hopefully, and we can uh, have a better that, chat. That sounds, that sounds awesome. I'd love to get my butt out to uh, Australia again, for sure. All right. All right. Well, good luck with everything. Enjoy. Good to meet you, man. All right, okay. cheers. Take it easy. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Ukulele Stories on your preferred platform so you never miss an episode, and give us a rating if you feel like it. Of course, we can't go without playing Happy Uke, so here it is. Until next time, stay safe, keep on smiling, and keep on strumming.